Welcome to the show. Happy Friday. Friday the 13th. Can you say happy Friday on Friday the 13th? I just did. Scariest players in fantasy baseball. We'll be talking about them. Ooh. Um, and we welcome you in. We'll be reading your emails at fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Today, should you draft? Should you wait? Which players are gaining and losing value right now? And man, it's just, it's just a weird day. In America, I mean, that's what else is there to say, Chris? Chris, you seem especially thrown off. It just like my wife's been home for three days now. We're both working from home full time at this point. Uh, her building was shut down uh, a couple days ago, and so it just uh, it has felt like the weekend for yeah. a while, and. Uh, that's just it's throwing me off my head's not my head's not right right now but fantasy baseball podcast will get my head right mm-hmm. and it, it does feel like the weekend and the thing for me is i always work from home so i said <laughs> to my cousins today we were all like talking about the best things to do I, i've been doing social distancing before it was cool and you know i'm a trendsetter i guess but it is still just different for me because there are no stories to read there there are no baseball headlines really i mean other than the cancellation there's there's no sports it's just it's really strange scott how are you holding up uh yeah, i don't know i know <laughs> i know it's tough. i don't know it's uh preparing for what you don't know to expect i mean i i i finally grasped the concept uh just yesterday of uh, why there's a necessity to load up on supplies and just imagining what the worst case scenario would be like and how quickly, more importantly, how quickly it can it can get here. Yeah. And um, like this is you're in your last days to prepare before the possibility of just the it being a ghost town outside, you know, and, and like you just being. In lockdown mode, so uh, maybe it'll maybe it won't come to that, but obviously you want to be prepared for the worst. So in the meantime, what better to do than to talk about sports? And I, you know, I have a feeling if we're going to be podcasting daily, we're going to be talking about a lot of things. Chris had a great idea of doing like a live, uh, live interaction type of show. You know, Chris, well, I'll let you explain your idea. Yeah, I think what we're going to do is, um, you know, we'll have to figure out the time and dates, but I think once a week, it might be fun to do some kind of fantasy baseball today live stream that we also record as a podcast. So we'd probably stream it on our Facebook group, search for fantasy baseball today on Facebook and join that. Not quite Uh, sure that we can do that in a Facebook group. You can do it on a Facebook page, Chris, as I as I thought, oh, Chris had this great idea. And then people were like, hmm, not sure we can do that. But if we can't do that, we will figure out something else. Yeah, we'll stream it somewhere. We It'll will. be so the the idea is to do like an ask fantasy baseball today anything, your fantasy questions, your questions why about why Adam has such terrible taste in music, <laughs> uh, Scott's favorite foods, whatever you guys want to <laughs> ask. Us. You know, I think that's going to be uh you know, a fun way to kind of break things up during this uh this interim period where we're we're just kind of, for content. <laughs> well, we're just going to be kind of spinning the draft prep wheels uh, in yeah. perpetuity for the for the foreseeable future, and uh, you know, yeah. just try to find a way to have fun. You know, I, we we've gotten you know some you know a lot of emails over the years from people saying that you know our podcast has been like a a nice way to kind of distract them from you know, some of the things that they're going through in the real world. And so, you know, if there's anything that we can do to kind of, you know, provide a distraction for people, um, you know, provide some entertainment, you know, that's what we want to do. Yeah. And Chris and I had a call with my boss and, you know, one of the, one of the 
one of the head honchos like, in terms of editorial content for CBS yesterday, and, and we were talking like, what's our plan going to be? And we just said, you know what? Like, people might want to listen to podcasts more than ever now. So we're just going to dominate. Fantasy football today is going to be perhaps five days next week because next week is actually going to be one of the more interesting sports weeks in a long time when free agency opens and players sign. So uh, we're not going anywhere, and we will be we will be uh, giving you content. All right. So first question is to draft or not to draft, and <laughs> it's a personal decision for everybody. Scott and I talked about it in our little five minute episode yesterday. Uh, Chris, I really thought that we were going to suspend the fourteen team draft. Instead, we're doing instead we're continuing it, but we're doing it completely untimed as opposed to. Three hours in between picks usually takes about ten to fourteen days. Now we'll just do it untimed. Um, you know, what, yeah, what, what would you recommend, Chris? Since you didn't get to weigh in on this about teams or leagues wondering if they should do their draft now. I think if you're doing like a slow draft, I've got three slow drafts currently ongoing, and we didn't pause any of them. And um, in, in that instance, I think it's okay to just keep going. Uh, you know, it is a little bit unfortunate that like. In one of my slow drafts, I missed my pick. I was busy. I'm a busy man, and I'm forgetful. You had lunch. I auto-drafted Chris Sale. Like <laughs> Sometimes you get hungry. You auto-drafted Chris Sale when? In like the third or fourth round, because uh. the, the projection hadn't been updated. And so at the time, it was like, well, I'm going to have to really make up for this. And now the season, you know, if the season starts on May 1st, Chris Sale might be ready. If the season starts uh, on May 1st, you know, I, yeah. I think if if you have a draft scheduled for this weekend or following week, um, I think you should probably postpone it. But in the case of an ongoing uh, slow yeah. draft, I think you probably just keep going. Because you either – I don't think pausing it would have made sense for the editorial league. I think it would have made more sense to just scrap it and start over at a later date. But, you yes. know – so that, I, that would make me so mad if, yeah. if I lost the draft that I, I mean, I, I even well, if I lost a draft that I wasn't particularly fond of, just yeah, the editorial pretending league. like that scenario didn't exist anymore. And uh, after everybody kind of revealed their hand and and things played out in a way that that we should have some consequences for, you know, I I just. I, I I can't do that. I can't I can't redo what's already done. <laughs> uh, there's no Matrix memory swipe for Scott White. Yeah, I saw the Matrix. You get used to it, everybody. But Chris said something. You know, May first. I I don't think any of us really believe that it's only going to be a two week delay. I certainly don't. I won't speak for everyone, but I don't think there's any chance that it's just going to be a two week delay for the start of the season. They're going to reevaluate, and it's at least two weeks. And I don't. I have no idea, zero idea when it's going to happen. But consider that they canceled the college baseball World Series and the college softball World Series. That stuff's in June. That stuff's in late June. So yeah, I know it's different that, because it's you know you got like, but it's it's really not that different because it's like it, those those don't take place during the academic year. I I don't understand why they did that. But it's, kids have to go home and schools are closing and that's different. But to think that in two weeks everything or and even in four weeks everything's just going to be back to normal. I would not I would not expect this to be just a two week delay, but then again, I'm not a health official. I, well, it, it I it's just I think the next ten days to two weeks are going to be critical in terms of how much this thing spreads, um and how much how much better an idea we have about how to how to contain it. And um I think in in the most optimistic scenario, it is possible. If if it's only two weeks, they don't necessarily need to do spring training over again. I mean, starting pitchers might not be going the distance they are at the start. It's it it seems possible, but I agree it is an unlikely scenario. I finally got my head in a place late last night where I was able to adjust the ranking Wait, of somebody like Chris do Sale. It. Don't Aaron do that Judge. yet. Don't do that. I got email of the day. We got to give. Okay. We got to give that email of the day. All right. So first of all, join our Facebook group. We can keep you posted on things and do some live chats in there and stuff like that. But here is email of the day number one from Nick in Charlottesville, Virginia. Assuming that the MLB season won't start until early May at the earliest, 
what which player's fantasy value should now be upgraded or downgraded? Is Justin Verlander back to the big four? How far up did you move James Paxton? What about, and this is a good one because I had thought about that, but this second part of the question I hadn't thought about. On the downside, are suspended players like Pineda and Domingo Herman now less less valuable? That's a good yeah, question. Yeah, I, I think the most likely outcome. Sorry, did I cut you off? No, it's okay. I, I never do that. So. <laughs> um, I think the most outcome, most likely outcome, is probably we get a shorter season. I, I yeah. think the chances of playing 162 games are pretty slim, unless uh, they start in two weeks. Jim ba- Jim Bowden was saying that they feel like they can fit. Not that we start in two weeks, but if they only push it back two weeks, they feel like they can fit a full season in. Yeah, I mean, I, they just I, tack it on to the end. We're not going to have an all-star game. I think that seems really unlikely. And I think that's happened before where they've announced all-stars and not had a game. Um, and, I, you know, th- that would be whatever. But I would think you just start thinking about, like, playing baseball games in – you know, Cleveland in late October, early November, you know, it, it sounds untenable. So, yeah, in, in the case of suspended players like Michael Pineda and, and Domingo Armand, you know, I, I think they are likely to serve a a higher percentage of the season. Uh, you know, that's speculation, but that's what I would expect. And, yeah, I think for Giancarlo Stanton like it seems really likely he'll be ready for whatever opening day is now Justin Verlander probably the same maybe even James Paxton Stanton's not going to get hurt again either that's the good thing well he's not going to be playing baseball (laughs) yeah uh and Scott what did you do in your rankings specifically so the players I felt um I had downgraded to the point that I needed to now upgrade it actually didn't include Stanton, uh, I didn't actually move him down that much in the rankings because I had him pretty low to begin with. It was Aaron Judge, Justin Verlander, Mike Clevenger, James Paxton, and Chris Sale. Uh, those were the big ones for me, and I moved them up quite a bit. I, I moved them up anticipating a May 1st start. Was obviously just, I called it an uninformed and possibly reckless guess on Twitter. Um but it seemed like a good kind of middle ground guess. And I feel like I I just have no concept for ranking them if I don't have some kind of guess going. So that's how I did it. And um, yeah, they moved up quite a bit to the point that Clevenger is, I think he's 25th overall again. So he's almost a second. Like he, I, I didn't move him all the way up to where I had him before, even though it's likely he'll be ready just because I have to account for the possibility of a setback or whatever. Um. But yeah, those guys definitely gain value. And yeah. that would be that would be the biggest case for redoing a draft if you were thinking about it is because those players obviously slid to a point where they're going to be even bigger values than they might have already been. Um but I feel like I feel like those I feel like if it's just a handful of players like at any point you have your draft between that date and the start of the year, things are going to happen to a handful of players that is unanticipated and will change their value. So I don't feel like that's reason enough to, um, to turn things upside down. Two random topics I want to bring up real quick. Uh, number one, I forgot to bring this up when we talked about to draft or not to draft, but fantasy, I don't know if you guys are in fantasy. I'm sure Chris, you're in fantasy basketball leagues. Uh, yeah. I was talking to someone yesterday who's the commissioner of a few fantasy basketball leagues, and he said he was just going to refund everybody the money. And I said, well, why don't you just pay all the teams that made the playoffs? And he said, oh, that's a good idea. So that's what I would recommend if you're in the playoffs right now. Um, you know, you might be in the first round of the playoffs. I would just pay the teams that either made the playoffs or the teams that are still alive if you're, you know, in the semifinals or whatever. Uh, and I guess the same with fantasy hockey. So that would be my advice there. And then I wanted to talk about specifically Aaron Judge because we were doing this we we're doing this 14 team league and I was on the clock yesterday and I wanted it so it was the fifth round of a 14 team league and we could have a fantasy baseball discussion here about Scott's strategy Scott's pitching strategy and um you know four of the top was 37 then it became like 33 maybe it's 37 33, again 33 maybe it's back yeah maybe it's back to 37 because uh 
Otani. Otani. Otani was a guy that I probably could have moved up if, if you know, anybody else yeah, is thinking yeah. about doing this with their personal rankings. I just had every time we did a draft and I'd see where Otani was ranked, I kept telling myself, oh, I need to move him down. And I never did. So now it's like, oh, oh it's perfect. Where he is. <laughs> well, where do you have Otani ranked? Uh, just outside the top 40, I think. Okay. That's starting pitch. Yeah. yeah. So what I was saying was, you know, I want to have a strong pitching staff in this 14-team points league that we do. I, I do well in this league basically every year, and I always have good pitching. <laughs> I do. I do. This, this league... I I know I said the same thing about the Yahoo League yesterday, but not not even this like this this league I I dominate I lose in the playoffs because I get unlucky every year, but we kick ass in this league. I when we were like tw- me and Jamie share a team. We were like twenty four and zero or something like that because you play two matchups a week. I don't remember what it was, but we we're the best, like the best. <laughs> so no, I'm just kidding. But um, I went with Mookie Betts fourth. I went with Charlie with Patrick Corbin in the second round. I went with Charlie Morton in the third round. I went with Chris Bryant in the fourth round. So I had Betts and Bryant as hitters. Both of them are better in points leagues. I had Morton and Corbin at starting pitcher. Now round five comes about, and Yu Darvish is on the board. And I thought about taking him instead of Chris Bryant. And after Yu Darvish, did any pitchers go after Darvish? Let's take a look. Um, Kluber went. So it was either Darvish, then Kluber, and then you had like Sonny Gray, Zach Wheeler, Sean and I, but I, I thought there was a pretty big drop off after Darvish. And in this league, I don't know if I'm going to get four top 37, but I got three mm-hmm. like top 24, I think, or maybe three top 30, whatever. But I really like Darvish. So I was sitting there debating Darvish or Aaron Judge. Obviously, before the news, it would have been an easy call with Darvish, but Jamie wanted me to take Aaron Judge. He, though, is a little bit different than a guy like Paxton. Clevenger. Clevenger has the earliest timetable. Judge still might need surgery. So that was why I went with Darvish instead of Judge because we don't really have any timeline for him. We have a, a rough timeline yeah. for Stanton. We have one for Paxton. We have one for most guy, for most players. I guess we don't really have one for Verlander. But the only player I think that's been mentioned he might need surgery is Aaron Judge. So that's why I did not go with him Aaron Judge and Chris Sale of the ones uh, I yes of the ones I named those two probably have the murkiest timetable. Although Aaron Judge, um, yeah, he was supposed to be reevaluated in two weeks. It was kind of the one week point yesterday, and he did talk about how good he was feeling and how he thought he was ahead of schedule. He gave a, he gave a fav- favorable self assessment. Yeah, but he's been doing that. I understand Since day one, but you know, and he did that in the uh, off season. He didn't say anything, and that's why we're sure. <laughs> that's why we're in this predicament. Sure. But you know, the the fourteen team league thing is obviously there's still more hitting than pitching, but it's not the situation where you're going to be you're going to be stacked at every position, even if you go with like four pitchers in your first five picks or something like that. So that's where I wanted to have, let's have a little fantasy discussion there. And Chris, let's take a look at your team because you just made a pick. You have. Sonny Gray, you have Lucas Giolito and Sonny Gray. You have Bregman and Rendon, who are just like, they they could be the two best hitters in points leagues. Uh, and you have Jordan Alvarez at utility. Jeez. Yeah, so, um, and you just picked 50, 66th overall in round five. Jordan, Jordan Alvarez could be third. Yeah, yeah. So you've got great hitting, and you have Sonny Gray and Lucas Giolito. So what did you change your strategy at all in a 14-team league? And that's just in general. That's not specific to the season being delayed, but just basic draft strategy versus 14-team league. Did anything change for you? Uh, it's not that much deeper. Like, I, I'm in some 15-team leagues that, you know, then my strategy changes a little bit. And in those leagues, I found I'm more willing, maybe in a deeper league, I found I'm I'm a little more willing to take a chance on some of the injured guys because I it doesn't matter if you finish in fifth place, you know, it it really doesn't change your, your outcome. So when I get a chance to, to maybe go a little earlier on a Giancarlo Stanton in that kind of league, I'll do it just because the upside is so much higher. Although I'm the one taking a chance on Giancarlo Stanton generally among us anyway. So Mm -hmm. it doesn't change that much for me, I guess. Do Real Muto, does Real Muto 
maybe Sanchez run like the elite catchers. Do they become more valuable, Scott, in a fourteen team league? No, I don't think so. There's there's still it's I mean if we're adding Danny Jansen, there's like sixteen catchers that I feel like are viable starters. Um and even if I ended up with a not so viable starter at that position with all the attrition and with the low impact the top guys make anyway. Uh, I would be more concerned about getting pitchers than paying up for a catcher. But, you know, obviously somebody like Mitch Garver is there in round 10, 11. That's still something I'd be inclined to do. So so your pitcher uh, I, strategy, though, you know, it, what, it, what would you do in a 14-team league? Do you still want need to get four of your top 30? Yes. <laughs> whatever. I, do, I am doing that regardless of format. I think even in the AL and NL, I may have settled for three in those Roto Leagues, which are obviously the deepest that, yeah, as deep as anything I play in. Right. Um, I think I may have settled for three, but uh, yeah, that's that's something I'm kind of doing in all formats. I don't play in a 14-team league. I do play in a couple of 15-team Roto Leagues. So in a Roto League, obviously, the markup isn't quite as intense at starting pitcher. It's, 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 there's a markup everywhere, but it's not as much in a roto league, so I haven't, I haven't had trouble getting the four starting pitchers that I'm looking for, and it's still, like I'm still pretty happy with my hitting, and that's in a roto league, which obviously has more hitter spots to fill than a head-to-head points league. It's just there are so many. I feel like the the high upside bats at the hitting positions, even in a deeper league like that they have a better chance of hanging with the truly high-end players than a pitcher does who is going to, of course, face um, workload restrictions and whatever else. It, and also, I feel like if it doesn't work out, if if whatever sleeper hitter I draft doesn't work out, there are going to be a larger number of new ones popping up on waivers and there will be pitchers. So that's still something... I, I I don't I my my approach it has in other years but my approach this year I noticed hasn't really changed much depending on the league size. Okay, all right. You mentioned uh, innings restrictions or workload or whatever. I don't remember what you said, but it does segue directly into it was thirty seconds ago. Why would I remember? Uh, <laughs> directly into email of the day number two from Dan and Grafton. Hey Tommy Dutch Johnny and Bobby. Mm-hmm. You know them. Jones. Would John's know it? This I am pretty pretty sure it's Karate Kid. Those are the oh okay Cobra yeah, Kai guys. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, quick question: With what will most likely be a shortened season, do your starting pitcher rankings change at all? I know it may for injured guys, but I'm thinking more about pitchers we were expecting innings limits from. Seems mm-hmm. to me that guys like Lazardo, McCullers, and others in the same boat. Shouldn't they be more valuable if the season is shortened as the inning limit won't be as big a factor? So I think this is an interesting idea, and maybe it should. I'm having hard a hard time wrapping my head around the concept, I think because I mostly rank pitchers according to what I think they're going to do game by game. I've talked about this before, where the innings i'm less concerned about the season long innings projection than the start by start innings projection how deep they go into games because that's that's really how much impact they're going to have when you're in their they're in your lineup and obviously when they're not pitching at all you go with somebody else in your lineup and and it becomes a matter of how much they're impacting your lineup uh from week to week so i I think my rankings more reflect how deep I expect them to pitch into games than how many total innings I think they're going to get. So somebody like Jesus Luzardo, I don't suspect the athletics are going to handle him differently start by start. I think they're going to be as cautious with him and maybe he'll just be around for, he just won't miss as many starts, uh, which would still improve his value, but enough that I want to take him now ahead of some of those other really good pitchers I rank ahead of him uh, I'm kind of thinking no but it's something I'm going to take a look at and it might be kind of piecemeal where as I'm doing another mock draft I think eh, you know what I, I like this guy more now and I'm, I might yeah. move him up based on that it's interesting one, uh, one thing I would say in regards to this is it seems likely we're going to have a season with fewer off days I mean, look, this is all speculative. We don't know what the season's going to look like. But, you know, the last time the NBA had a strike 
they did a shortened, condensed season, but it was also a more... It was amazing. Oh, my gosh. As a basketball fan, they were playing I... almost every single night. They had back to back to back. The Knicks were... And they went to the finals that year. It was a great... It was 1999. They had a lockout. And uh, they played like 50 games, and it was constant, constant basketball. But no, Adam, well, it was great. There, there was a more recent one. Which one? There was a lockout in like 2010. I don't even remember that. It started on Christmas. It was a big deal. There you was? might have read about it in the papers. I guess I had stopped watching basketball at that point. <laughs> uh, but yeah, what they? But yeah, in both cases, when they had a shortened season, yeah, they condensed the schedule. It wasn't just like. We're going to play our normal schedule. They had fewer days off. They packed more day- games into into each day. And so... Expand the I rosters. Would... What's that? Expand the rosters. Yeah, I would guess we're going to see something similar to that. Again, this is 100% speculation at this point, but that might impact a guy like Lance, Mc... Lance McCullers, who you know the Astros might want to get some time off maybe he'll be more likely to have a skipped start in that circumstance so there's a lot that we have to take into account that we really don't know about yet all righty uh news and notes well with the midst of all of this get serious news on trey mancini he had surgery to remove a malignant tumor from his colon so uh, i guess safe to say no timetable there or have we heard anything about this with mancini no, I haven't heard anything. It's, okay. It really sucks yeah. for him. Yeah, so hopefully it'll you know be like the other players who have dealt with something like this in the last couple of years. Jamison Tyone, Carlos Carrasco, and everything will be just fine. But uh, thoughts go out to Trey Mancini. Get well soon. Max Scherzer felt good after a bullpen session. And really not going to be a lot of injuries, news, and notes on these shows. So it's Friday the 13th. Everybody's... Spooked, you know. So, oh, what that's my to... Friday the Thirteenth noise. I, I I just saw Adam fumbling with his like. Ooh, well, why it's not the sounds not playing? I thought that was one of the things that came out. There we go. No, no, I did not have a howling wolf sound effect <laughs> on here, but I do have a. Uh... What's the deal with Friday the Thirteenth? <laughs> I mean, did you guys realize? What? Two Friday the 13th in a row? No way. Really? Yeah, there was one in February, too. I guess you just didn't think it was cool enough to do... I remember that now. Right, Scott. Okay, um, so... <laughs> I'm looking at my calendar. It says Friday... It, it says the 13th uh, was on a Thursday. A yeah, that was oh, a lie. Oh, Thursday the 13th. That's I, right. I forgot it was a leap year. No, but remember, I was like, ooh, it's Thursday the 13th, and you guys were like, that's Wait. not a thing. You forgot it was a leap year? Do you have like an internal calendar where you can count off days that you're, you were just you were just consulting that and thinking back? Oh, Feb- you're like imagining this calendar where you saw a 13 on Friday. Fe- February has 28 days. It's four weeks. So whatever the day would be of the week in February would also be that same day in March. Uh, okay, neat trick. I'm neat calling. Trick. I like that. I'm calling a personal foul on Chris. Two. Oh, you're supposed to just say personal foul sound by. I'm calling a personal foul on Chris. All right, I'm having fun with my board today. Anyway, <laughs> who are the scariest players in fantasy? Who scares you, Chris? Spooky bets. Spooky bets. <laughs> I forgot Spooky about this. Spooninger. Oh my gosh, who else you got? Uh... I got him out. Uh, I'm just going through the list. I'll, I'll I'll say them randomly while Scott's talking. Well, I'll tell you one that scares me. Uh, Ugarts. <laughs> Blake Hell. Blake... That's uh, I was gonna say him, but not with the not with the bad pun. Blake Skeleton. Blake Skell. Sure. <laughs> What's the ghost's favorite car? What. A Subaru. Oh, gosh. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So, yeah, Blake Snell's scary, Scott. I mean, first of all, like he didn't have a good year last year. I think we were more or less willing to uh, say he was unlucky, whatever. But it did have a 429 ERA, 127 whip. And, you know, he doesn't pitch deep into games. 31 starts since uh, going on the IL in 2018. 
six or more innings in 16 of those 31 starts, seven or more innings twice. Uh, mm-hmm. So and already dealing with an elbow issue, which he seems to be recovering well <laughs> from. But Blake, Blake Hell, Blake Snell, Blake Skell is scary. Yeah, just so many variables that I don't know how to account for. Among them being just how amazing he was in 2018. Uh, but even then, it was kind of in an atypical way for a Cy Young contender, not pitching deep into games so much. He's had a lot of control issues in his past. He's had a lot of health issues. I don't know if I don't know how the Rays are going to use him. He is somebody uh, who I would take as one of my top four starting pitchers if 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 the price is right. But I find that somebody else is usually more eager to take him than I am. Would you take Count- Blake's? Hold on, <laughs> Blake Snell or uh, Zach Granke? Granke, Chris, Paul Goulschmidt. <laughs> Uh, I would rather have Blake Snell than Zach Greinke. Blake Snell or Charlie Morton? Uh, Charlie Morton. Okay. Scott? I would rather have Charlie Morton. Uh, Who else scares you? Corey Kluber. Oh, yeah. Spooky. Doesn't scare Chris as much, I feel. Uh, No. It's just that he scares everyone. And so... This is a guy who had seven bad starts after being a top six starting pitcher. And people are just like, well, he's done. He's finished. And uh, I'm not quite as ready to say that he's done. I'm not either. But it's it's from from a pitcher who was I mean, even going back to 2018 when he was still in Cy Young contention. I had a great year overall. There were some underlying causes for concern. And then he basically lost a year at an age where a decline can come pretty quickly. And he's going to a park that on paper looks like it should be incredible for hitters. Um, Obviously, we don't know yet because no games have been played there. But it's it's just a lot of there's a lot of mystery surrounding him. Mystery is not something I like in a pick in the first half of a dra- of the draft. Would you take Trevor Trevor Bauer scares me quite a bit. Would you take Bauer yeah. or Kluber? I would take Bauer, but he's he's a good submission here. Yeah, I'm I'm concerned that like he's acted in his in his life as if he has the ultimate rubber arm. Like the way he warms up you know, and I and, wasn't even considering that aspect of it. I I was just thinking, sure, his career, how 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 much worse things got last year, and then how they got even worse after he went to Cincinnati, and how his profile ground balls to fly balls changed yep. in a way yeah. that was just not at all suited for this environment. He got crushed with the long ball, yeah, last he's have year, to get and, more and that's grounders. like he's going to have to make adjustments to I think survive Cincinnati as small as that ballpark is and uh i haven't i haven't really seen anything that would lead me to believe he's he's on the right track as far as that goes so you you said bauer over kluber though i did say bauer over kluber by, yes. the, by kluber the way scares me just a little bit more this is why i like darvish so much and you could definitely put darvish on this list i understand why people would be scared of darvish it's personal preference but i i just like him, and if I don't get him, then I'm looking at, I'm looking at Bauer, Kluber, and Sonny Gray, who I know Chris just took in the 14 team draft. Scott believes in. I'm, I'm, I'm not scared about Sonny Gray. I'm just confused. I think he's had a very confusing career. Um, That's fair, but it feels like we're giving you Darvish a lot of credit. Well, for his I am Jack Flaherty yeah. a lot of credit for his no, but I mean the the community as a whole. Uh, yeah, we're we're giving these kind of second half breakouts a lot of credit. Sonny Gray was a top five starting pitcher in the second half. Well, for for Flaherty, to me, it's has not really anything to do with the second half. He's the third best second half ever. It's it's the full body of work for Flaherty. But Sonny Gray's ERA was only slightly worse. His strikeout rate was right there with Flaherty. Yeah, I, I think Sonny Gray's being undervalued. Um, 
he, I don't he, I don't know if, if it would be confirmation bias since I yeah I don't know if that's the right application of that term but in, in the case of Flaherty Darvish and Sonny Gray we, we already had a lot of reason to believe they were good pitchers and yeah. then they came through on it uh, yeah, but I with suppose Gray, if Trevor Bauer had a great second half, it'd be the same thing. But he had a horrible second half. So, but, but with Gray, we he was always a great pitcher that didn't get strikeouts. That and last year he had 205 strikeouts and 175 and a third. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of confusing. I don't think you can fake strikeouts though. That's that's uh, kind yeah. of one reason why we always focus on them so much. Of course, they're valuable, but. They point to skills that are hard to fake. Okay, but but is vintage Sonny Gray a? He's a fly ball pitcher, right? No, ground ball. Oh, he's a ground ball pitcher, right? Yeah. Okay, so he is suited for for that part. Mm-hmm. All yeah. right. Well, I understand you guys believe in him, and, and that's fine. Um, may, would you take Sonny Gray over Trevor Bauer or Corey Kluber, who are on the scare list? <laughs> yes. Yes, I would. Okay. I think so. yeah. I mean I I'm pretty sure I just did in the editorial league, so I don't know if Bauer was available. Actually no, Kluber wasn't available. He had just he went like two picks before you. So, Adam, would you like to hear some more scary baseball players? Yeah, by the way, for those youngsters who don't know what, what this is, it, it is from Friday the thirteenth. What... Oh I got a good one. I got a good one. Okay, go ahead, go ahead. It might be I'll let Chris do his first because I don't want to steal it if he did it. No, wait, I'd rather you do it just because it would be oh. so funny if you stole it. Mike Boustakis. <laughs> a good one. No, no, no. Uh, Ramon Draculoriano. <laughs> Shane Zombieber. Nice. Monster Masher Wojciechowski. Monster Masher. <laughs> <laughs> How about Anthony Ren? Oh, Masher, because Asher. Okay, I get it. I get it. Sorry. <laughs> so it took a minute to get there. Anthony Wren, don't open the door because there's a killer behind it. Ah! <laughs> All right. I think that's my favorite one. <laughs> Rolls off the tongue. Who like else? Anthony Wren, do. <laughs> <laughs> How does your brain even go there? I don't understand. I know. I was looking at I, you guys started doing these, and I was like, I need a list of players. So I just started looking at ADP, and I saw him, and I was like, what can I do with Wren, don't? Uh, uh, all right. Who else? Who else scares you? Who else scares you? Uh, Aaron Judge, for reasons that are pr- more obvious now, but he 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 would have qualified for this list for me even before the discovery of the stress fra- fracture in his rib. Uh, it's just basically both years since his rookie year, right? Yeah, has... broken wrists and then oh, like uh, well, even in his rookie year, he had a shoulder issue. Yeah, but. The past two years, we drafted him expecting elite production, and while he was good when he was on the field, the end result was very disappointing. And yeah, I'm sure Chris would argue it was you can't predict the injuries, and and that's fair. It's it's probably it's uh, you know I was ranking him at a point before the injury where I was kind of just going along with the crowd and uh, trusting him to be have another dominant season but he's just he's so big that i can't help but wonder if that's a contributing factor if it's oh yeah i mean look at look at stanton look at stanton like yeah is it just that gigantic outfielders that all the torque and stuff i I thought about that it's even different from stanton because stanton stanton has that is so muscular, you know, and and I feel like uh, players who are outwardly very muscular like that, they tend they tend to suffer these kinds of like muscular injuries. I, I don't know. I just that I every player I picture who has that kind of physique that seemed like an issue for them throughout their career. He's the and, tallest player, uh, in but Judge history. is just like big, like historically, yeah. just in terms terms of. Just size, not not even so much uh, body composition. Yeah, that. I, I mean, the season is so grueling, and and does that kind of body hold up as well? Um, I I don't know if this is fair, but it's it's a place my mind goes when 
when I look at what ha- what's happened to Judge and uh, makes me a little more reluctant to draft him. <laughs> Tallest yeah, I, position player in baseball history. Yep. That, you know, I, I'm trying to find the, the Giancarlo Stanton story I wrote because I did some research on really large players. And there are not that many who have uh, played full seasons. You know, obviously in... Baseball history, there just haven't been that many players who were as big as Giancarlo Stanton, let alone Aaron Judge. But um, you know, he's 245 pounds. Uh, I can't find the numbers. I'm sorry. Good okay, job. three players have managed to play at least 150 games more than four times at a 245-pound listed weight uh, in the last 10 years. And so other guys like Aaron Judge, Joey Gallo, Miguel Snow, those three have combined to do it one time in their careers. Mm. 15 players played at least 100 games in 2019 at 245 pounds. Only three managed to play 150. So I I think it is a legitimate thing that guys who are that big just may not be able to stand up to the kind of weight that they play at in Major League Baseball. I know it Sounds kind of weird because football has guys who are that big and it's a much more punishing sport. But the fact that you get so many more days off in football might make it more conducive to players mm-hmm. that standing up to it. Whereas yeah, it's just, you got to be out there every day. Yeah, yeah, it's just that day to day grind in baseball and with no built in recovery time. Um, yeah, no, I I hear that. Interesting. Cavan in the woods. Oh man, I did. <laughs> sorry. Kevin in the woods, Biggio. Man, it would be Kevin Biggio in the woods. No, I don't think so. I don't think so. All right, get pick a player, and I will make a a scary pun out of his name. Just pick any player. Yoan Moncada. Okay. Uh, just give me a moment. All right, let's do. Uh, I'll, I'll come up with it. <laughs> ADP by name. Are there any Jasons in honor of Friday the 13th? Not really. Jason Hayward, Jason Castro, and Jason Kipnis. That is weird. No good Jasons in fantasy baseball. How about Chris Scott and Adam? Chris is the clear winner here. He's got Chris Paddock, Chris Sale, Chris Bassett, Chris Archer. Scott has Scott Kingery and Scott Oberg and Steven Piscotti. Yeah. And uh, I have Adam Eaton, Adam Adovino, and Willie Adamas. I'm taking Willie Adamas for sure. There are only two Adams. That's surprising. Yeah, according to uh, just my little control I, F. I got you beat. What? I figured it out. Oh, you have a, that was not fair. You had time to think. Yoan Slender Mancata. Slenderman? <laughs> That's good. <laughs> I don't I had nothing for him. I was thinking like Yoan turning that into go on. Like Yoan and run away from that killer, Mancata. Uh, That's terrible. Terrible. <laughs> terrible. <laughs> We wanted to take a look at ADP on different websites, specifically ESPN and Yahoo. I tried to go through the spreadsheet that Chris sent me, and I sort of did not get to Yahoo, but here's some things I can tell you about ESPN. Really strange. Francisco Lindor, you look at the elite shortstops. Francisco Lindor's ADP is the same. It's seven. It's basically seven on every website right around there, but... Trevor Story goes 18th on ESPN. Trey Turner goes 15th. And Fernando Tatis goes 36th. Now, I know ESPN does points leagues. They also do categories leagues. So I don't know what that ADP is. But Story, Turner, and Tatis are all lower on ESPN's ADP than they are on the other sites. And we're looking at ESPN versus Yahoo, NFBC, and CBS. So that was interesting. I wonder if they're in-house rating system doesn't value stolen bases as much that or points but yes it's there's obviously something going on there with steals um charlie blackman goes early on cbs 26 not a huge value there 44th on espn on espn yeah yeah i said cbs i'm sorry yep uh yeah 26 on espn 35th on cbs 36th on yahoo 44th on nfbc charlie blackman yeah. Uh, wow. I, I 26th is probably more I I think that's about exactly where I ranked Charlie Blackman in the first place. Um before oh, I knew I could get him later. What'd you say, Chris? 
They're going off Scott's ranking. <laughs> no, no, that's not what I meant. I, I just think it's not an inappropriate ranking. It's just the way things have gone. Everybody's kind of reached a consensus where Charlie Blackman can go later than that. So why take him that early? I guess if you play on ESPN, um, you might have to. But a lot of this, I'm sure the big distinctions here are driven by just the way the players are listed in the draft room. And I'm sure each of these different sites... Yeah has uh, different methods for the way they position players in the draft room. And, you know, the average user is just going to open up the draft room and see the names at the top of the list and say, I want that guy and take them. So it ends up, you end up seeing these distinctions across the different, uh, different fantasy providers. Well, I think, Chris, you might be onto something with the steals on ESPN because Adalberto Modesty is 97th in ESPN ADP, and he's like 40th on the other yeah. websites. So you consider that. Um, don't draft Manny Machado in an ESPN league. He's going 38th overall. He's going 57th to 59th on Yahoo, NFBC, and CBS, and we think that is too early. 58th overall is too early for Manny Machado. So 38th overall on ESPN is horribly early. The three players that I just love the value, maybe, no, four players, are these young, either prove-it breakouts or potential breakouts. Keston Hira, Lucas Giolito, Chris Paddock, and Vladimir Guerrero. Uh, Hira, in, in order, it's actually Giolito, Hira, Guerrero, and Paddock. They're all going 70th to 77th overall. And on other websites, some of them are in the 40s, 50s, 60s. None of them lower than 66th. So young potential breakouts in Keston Hira, Vlad, Giolito, and Paddock. Uh, and Bo Bouchette as well, 87th overall on, on ESPN, 65th to 67th overall on the other sites, just going later in ESPN leagues. Mm-hmm. Uh, U Darvish going 86th much later on ESPN than other websites. That's all I got for now. Actually, it's not a hard exercise to do. I could just take a look. Chris made a great spreadsheet, very helpful. So we can just pull that mm-hmm. up and maybe we can look at some Yahoo differences. Um, Chris, you have, yeah, I, 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 like, I wonder how much of this is just, just driven by Tristan Cockroft or Eric Carabell's personal expectations, their own personal rankings. Because, uh, for, for instance, CBS is, I, I, I would guess, not driven much at all by my own because the players are in the draft room according to sports line projections, which I have nothing to do with. You can sort the players in the draft room by my I by my do. rankings, but I assume few people do. I do. <laughs> I, seriously, every time. Yeah. You're well, the, only, you're the only baseball person I trust, Scott. <laughs> well, I'm always drafting with Scott, so I want to know what he's going to do. But no, even yeah, when I'm no, not, that, I... That puts I, me at a distinct disadvantage. Even yeah. when I'm not, I do. I know, I know the few times that I disagree with Scott, but for the most part, I, I think his rankings are excellent. I just I like following when our analysts don't agree with their own rankings. I did a football <laughs> draft with Dave Richard, and I had the fourth pick. He had the third pick, and he had Ezekiel Elliott as the top player and didn't take him. Top player it's, available, right? Well, yeah. Why are you, why are you lying to me, Dave? <laughs> <laughs> um. So just if we look a little later in the draft, some values you could get. Like I don't understand why Marcelo Zuna is going fifty sixth overall on ESPN. ESPN's uh, ADP is a little funky because Marcelo Zuna is, is about 100th on the other websites. but and I think he's one of the best values. But not overall. at 56. At but not at 56. <laughs> yeah, at 100. Um, let's see. Carlos Correa jumped out at me. Bad value on, on CBS. 74th overall. He's going 97th on Yahoo. Uh, so that's good. That's even better. Like 74th overall, I'm not saying that's actually bad value for Correa. I think it's fine, but you can get him 97th on Yahoo or around there. That's obviously great. And remember, this is average. It, it, this is not what's going to happen in your draft. And and over like, it's worth saying value is always a relative term. Yeah, like Carlos Correa is only a bad value on CBS because you can get him later on other sites, and it allows you to get better right. players before. Well, not better than him in our, in my opinion, at least, but. You can wait on him, get other players, and get a better player with your 95th overall pick. Sure. Uh, yeah, so- and that that concept is probably even more applicable this year than than 
kind of part of the reason why I'm going SP heavy early in drafts is because like Carlos Correa, if if your projections spit him out as the number five shortstop, like it's hard to say you're wrong about that. I mean, there are certain risk factors that force me to push him down beyond that. But that that's just kind of true across the whole hitting pool is that so many players are capable of performing like high-end players that there's going to be, uh, if if you're not used to, if you're not already accustomed to the consensus of where these players go, then there's justification to take them much sooner or, or much later, just depending on your own personal preference. Here are three more players I want to highlight. Two players that are going earlier on CBS, and you might be able to get two rounds later, on Yahoo or ESPN or more. Frankie Montas, 99th on CBS, 145th on ESPN, 124th on Yahoo. Frankie Montas. Uh, was Carlos Santana? No, it wasn't Santana. I mean, I understand why he's going earlier on CBS because he's a points league guy. Uh, there was one more. I'm sorry, I'm having trouble finding him. Oh, Max Kepler. Max Kepler, 109th on... Uh, this is specifically for Yahoo. Kepler, 109th on CBS, 114 on ESPN. 138th on Yahoo. I don't know how I feel about Max Kepler. I said this to Scott a few weeks ago, but everybody on the Twins had an amazing year last year. They just, they had trash cans or something. (laughs) And I'm just like, I don't know what to make of that because sometimes, like we saw with the Blue Jays one year, they had the greatest lineup ever, basically. They had Donaldson and Encarnacion and Bautista. They were really good the next year, but they took a step back. We've seen it with the Red Sox. It's hard to do... I don't think the Twins are going to be as good. I just think like they're a lot of their hitters are just going to regress. So Kepler, uh, Garver, Nelson Cruz having his best season ever. Uh, basically, like almost everyone in the lineup was so good. So I don't know how I feel about yeah. Kepler, but 138th overall sounds a lot better than 109th, and that's what Yahoo is showing. 138. No. Yeah, that's end of discussion. Kepler's been a difficult player for me too. To account for, I think at a points league because he strikes out so little, it's 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 easier. Uh, and obviously, points league approach, pro points league evaluation players is always simpler because it's just what what does the final output look like. But it's it's in a five by five league where he's not contributing much of anything in steals. The power output was good last year, but it was also uh, an outlier to this point. There are reasons to think it'll continue, but. Maybe it doesn't, but really it comes down to the batting average. For being a guy who doesn't strike out much, he is of no help in batting average, really. He has become so fly ball focused, which has allowed him to have this power breakthrough, but the trade-off is not much help in batting average. So at a at a position where there are a lot of late-round alternatives and at a time when power, the main thing he provides, is in such abundance, and then you factor in... Well, that season is it was it was kind of a it was kind of a breakout that we don't know we don't know exactly what the follow up is going to look like. I think it's pretty easy to push Max Kepler down, and I have quite a bit since since my initial rankings came out. Okay, all right, guys, let's Jake, finish the show. What? Jake Scarietta. Okay. Yeah, he has an injury. I didn't listen, I didn't listen to that entire discussion because <laughs> I was looking for a player whose name would fit with scare. Also, Carter Kiboom. Yeah, that's right. Who has who just has a straight up scary like, name? An ex- oh, explosion. Who? I think of I think of Kiboom is very colorful. Like I think of a comic book. Like he's a comic book panel in action. Putting the emphasis on the boo, like a ghost, like boo. Oh yeah. Oh, you were putting the emphasis on boo. Mackenzie Gore. Mackenzie Gore. Oh yeah, he is man. The uh, that's the poster. That's child. too easy. So How do we not get there. Let's uh let's read some emails. Fantasy baseball at cbsi.com. Uh this one is from everyone. I've gotten so many of this question. We always talk about sparps, starting pitchers as relief pitchers. What about RP eligible guys that we could put as starting pitchers? Uh, oh god. I know I hate this question. Well, it's just I've seen this question a bunch. I think you've put it in the notes like three times and we haven't gotten to it. And I just keep forgetting to actually look. And so I'm trying to stall for time. If anybody wants to start saying baseball player uh, scary name puns while I'm looking. Sean 
do little to stop that killer that's waiting behind your door. Ooh. Uh, I, so think, I think has Sean, I think Sean Anderson. I, I know he's definitely one of those guys. If he does become a save source for the Giants. But uh, there, I don't think yeah. there are many of them. So, oh, guys that, that could RP eligible players or SP eligible players. No, no, no. RP eligible, yeah, that SP could, eligible that could be, players who are going to be relievers, right? That could help it with saves. Uh, right. Ryan Stanek. There's not going to be many who can help you with saves. Yeah. But I think the question is more about guys that you can just put in your lineup um, who can help you out like when you don't have anybody else who can just help you with some yeah. some get some strikeouts, maybe get some ratio help. So okay. Ryan Stanek, uh, Diego Castillo, I guess, is starting pitcher eligible somehow. Um, ah, yes, because he was used as an opener a few times. And Chad, he could he could be a contributor in saves, Castillo. For the Yankees. Uh, oh, yeah, good one. Who's Oh, Chad Green, you said? Yeah. The yeah. problem is there's not many who are good. There's like guys like Wilmer Font and Matt Whistler and Cam Bedrosian if he's back. Um, mm, Whistler past the graveyard. <laughs> yes. Uh, okay, so those are some names. I wanted to throw out the name of a reliever that somebody wrote in an email, uh, Todd, that he used the uh, Tap Hap AMC reliever or uh, roto strategy that I was touting. And I liked his team. It was good. He has Cole and Flaherty. He has Paxton. He has Hader. He has Rogers, Giles, Doolittle, Jose Alvarado. That's exactly, I love it. And um, a reliever that he has that just, he barely pitched last year, so completely under the radar, but James Karin, Kar- Karinchak, Karinchak, I don't even know how to pronounce his name, it begins with a K, uh, for the Cleveland Indians, K-A-R-I-N-C-H-A-K, five and a third, one walk, eight strikeouts last year. So um, he came up and was very impressive as a rookie. Oh, this will be his official rookie season, but could be another guy. I'm not saying draft them. Could be another guy that you're monitoring to see if he's going to be a reliever with Gibbs ratio help. No, he's not SP eligible or anything like that, but just a name. Okay, how about this one from Matt? I listen to the show every day. I remember you mentioning a change Aaron Nola made recently. What was that change? I was leaning toward grabbing Nola in the third and Giolito in the fourth, hoping one of them hits enough to keep for a few years. So... Chris Young was the Phillies pitching coach last year, kind of a new style guy, um, more analytically driven. And he kind of, his philosophy was kind of to push all Phillies pitchers towards, towards the trend of locating the fastball high in the zone, which works well with, hey, that's pretty scary, right? <laughs> um, which works well. <laughs> with high spin uh with high spin fastballs that kind of have that rising effect as they come in toward the hitter they expect it to drop down into their wheelhouse they swing and miss uh Aaron Nola does not throw a high spin fastball so the Phillies have a more traditional pitching coach now is Brian Price right and uh Aaron Nola is back to his old approach of locating his low spin fastball down in the zone where he had so much success. And yeah, it's, it goes against the trends of today, but it might be better suited to his skill set. And he sounds like he's much happier with it. Yeah. Brian price is, uh, is the dude. Okay. Uh, how about this one, uh, from Tim in Denver? Hey, Savage, Astaire and Armisen. Fred's Fred's. Yeah. On Sunday, you guys said you didn't understand why Freddie Freeman was going so late, but I think it's pretty simple. 2017, he was injured. 2018, he only hit 23 homers in 162 games. 2019 was a career year, not to mention he'll be 31 before the end of the season. If this is everyone's hesitation, are we all crazy for letting him fall to the end of the second round? I know you all love Freeman, but do you think his track record really earns him a spot in the first round? I'd rather take Jose Ramirez, Nolan Arenado, and J.D. Martinez. I think it's even simpler than that. He doesn't steal bases. Well, he's for a first a baseman, arm. he's not that bad, though. Like, he's, he's like got eight nothing. steals. He had, he'll he had give you like five. steal season recently, right? Uh, it, when I was rating skills, my my tiers according to skill, I gave him where I gave everybody a letter grade for batting average, home runs, and stolen bases. I gave Freddie Freeman a D, so not quite an F, but ten in twenty eighteen. Right, yeah, he could well. steal ten, and he probably won't. <laughs> Looking probably at won't. the full. 
Five is all I think you can reasonably hope for. And are you changing your draft approach for the possibility of five? I am not. Um, no, I mean, you just look at you just look at the kind of players who go ahead of him, who you may think of as quote unquote worse. And he just gets pushed back by all the base dealers and, and the additional high and starting pitchers being being drafted in the first two rounds this year. I, I that to me, that's totally the explanation. I do want to say that I think the home runs are legit because in 2016, he hit 34 homers in 158 games. And in 2017, he was on pace for 37 in, in 155 games. And then Freeman had a bad year in 2018, but wasn't that when he was coming back from the, the hand or the wrist injury, which could be an yeah, injury? The wrist injury, and he said he felt like, I believe the quote was he felt like by the end of the season he was swinging a wet newspaper. Right. So I think that's a perfectly logical explanation. And then he hit 38 last year, and he was on pace for even more than that before he played through a wrist injury in September. So I understand being concerned about the wrist, but if you, but I do think a healthy Freddie Freeman is at least 35 home runs, probably 38 to 42, something like that. And he hits in the middle of the order of what's going to be a really good lineup. Um, he gets on base. His batting average is going to really stand out. Yep. It's almost like I can understand all the reasons for him to go in the middle of the second round. But if I do get him there, it may not be a steal, but it's a great pick. And I just love it, if that makes sense. You know, it, it's like he's so good. And I can understand what Scott said, all the reasons why these guys would go ahead. But, oh, crap, I can't get a stolen base source. I have to settle for Freddie Freeman. That's cool. That works for me. Uh, from Aaron, Scott's starting pitching strategy is based on a potential ace workload of 200 innings a year. And the reason for taking four of the top 33 or 36, whatever, is because they don't just pop up on the waiver wire. Uh, once they're off the draft board, they're gone. And it's true that 200-inning aces don't just pop up, but we certainly get minor leaguers who come up midseason for 80 to 120 innings that work in aces workload on a start-by-start basis. I'm thinking Scott might disagree with that. Is it more appropriate to think of the ace workload as six-plus innings per start instead of over the course of the season? Scott already said that today. Yeah. Yeah, that was kind of a point I was making. Uh, but I don't know that but, minor leaguers come up and really have ace right. workloads. How many did last year? Zach Gallen. Yeah. Even Paddock didn't, you know? Yeah, I mean, it wasn't like... It's not just minor leaguers. Like, Frankie Montas came out of nowhere and basically did that. Yeah. yeah. There there will be some surprising pitchers. I mean, Giolito was probably the biggest one. Nobody really wanted Giolito coming into the season. It's it's not that there will be zero, but it it'll be... It'll be such a small number that you can't count on being the one yeah. who gets any. I, you may get one. If you get two, it's a miracle. <laughs> right. You shouldn't count. All right, last question here is from Jason in Kansas City. He usually does a in-person auction, but given the circumstances, they're going to do an online auction. Is there a video we can watch or perhaps set up practice drafts on the site so we can see how this looks before we get into the draft room live for the first time. If not, any advice you can give on how the auction room works would be helpful. Is it a countdown for a certain amount of time? Blah, blah, blah. Uh, can the commission stop yeah. the draft because somebody calls a timeout? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's the same. I don't, know if, I don't know if he said in the email if he's done a draft before, but basically the same commissioner options are there as for a draft. When you set up the auction, you get to choose how what the nomination time is and what the bidding time is i usually set it so the nomination time is 30 seconds the bid time is 15 seconds when somebody bids uh and and Wait. the bidding time starts over Hold it doesn't on. start over at the full time uh, can we do can we do just basic uh, like a glossary nomination time is when it, each let's say there're 12 teams it doesn't snake but there's like an order in which you get to nominate players. So you have 30 seconds to pick the player you're going to nominate. Bidding yep. time. After that player is nominated, and that player can be nominated for any price. So you can nominate Mike Trout for a dollar if you want, but you might as well just start it at 30 so we don't have to sit there and keep clicking plus one until we get up to 50, whatever. You can nominate any player for any price. That's the nomination. The bidding time is when now everybody gets to start bidding on them. Okay, so 30 seconds to nominate. Bam, player's up. And and if you don't nominate someone in 30 seconds, it'll take from your queue or it'll just take the highest ranked player that's available in the draft room. Um, mm -hmm. And then bidding time, 15 seconds. All right, everybody start getting your bids in. And then it starts counting down. And then once it gets to 
five seconds, Gus Johnson goes, going once. And then, like, down to two seconds, going twice. And then, sold. But a lot of times, somebody presses the plus one button right right as he's saying sold. And the guy's still going for auctions. It's really, really fun. And it's like, oh, I thought I had him. Um, I get frustrated. That's when really that funny. When, when it's like a player that I'm on. And I'm about to win them, and I hear that sold, and someone hits it at the last minute. It's just like bid earlier. <laughs> yeah, I know it's such a jerk move. <laughs> then, then I either I do one of two things. I'm just gonna keep hitting the plus one, no matter how long it takes for me to get that player, and I'm gonna spend too much money, or I'm just gonna like rage out and not bid. <laughs> yeah, like, and it's just, I, you know, I got you got to keep your emotions in check. Yeah, yeah. auctions but, mess with your head, man. But you really don't want to. Do give away and you don't I, want to tip so, your hand like if there's a player that gets nominated and i want him i'm gonna wait until there's like five seconds on the clock before i before i put it because i don't want to give away that i really want this guy but anyway uh, that's a that's a whole long discussion i think you're pretty much it right you you can pause the draft whenever you want um make sure you have people queued up because uh because sometimes that 30 seconds to nominate a player actually goes pretty quickly and you kind of like lose track of it and you say who do i want to nominate do i want a guy i want do i want a guy i don't want so but mm-hmm. you'll get the hang of it it's it's really easy and really fun and we and you can always it. pause and you can always back out a pick if, yeah if something particularly if you're new to the room and you don't yeah like the, sometimes what will happen is is uh is if somebody runs out of time to nominate he'll get put on autopilot and then that can sometimes lead to bids that are the guy on autopilot is bidding without intending to. It's just the autopilot is bidding for him. So, so things can happen like that. But you can always back out picks, and and you you have you have full control as a commissioner like that. And we talked about this when we did the auction preview. Scott says he never hits the plus one button, and that could be really for someone who's never done an auction. That could be the scariest thing because like multiple people are bidding, and there's the plus one option, right? If somebody's for twenty, you hit the plus one. Now you're bidding twenty one. Well, if multiple people are bidding, it kind of frequently happens. Not frequently, but it, it happens. You meant to hit plus one for 21. Well, somebody beat you to it. You still hit plus one, and all of a sudden you're bidding 22. So that's why Scott likes to type in his bid. You can also do that. You can type in the dollar amount that you want. You don't have to just hit plus one. So if you're worried about that, that's a good idea that Scott said a few weeks ago uh, to just avoid the plus one button and just put in the dollar amount you want. All right, everybody, uh, have a great weekend. We'll talk to you on Monday on Monday the 16th. See you then. (laughs) Yo, I'm on Cadaver. I win. (laughs) 